From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm Laura Adams, a personal finance author who's been hosting the Money Girl podcast since 2008 with over 42 million downloads. Here on the show, I cover a wide range of personal and small business money topics like building credit, dealing with debt, investing for retirement, owning real estate, taxes, insurance, money management strategies, and lots more. I would love for you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Also, let me know your money questions or comments. A lot of the shows come from your ideas and your questions. You can leave a voice message by calling 302-364-0308 or send me an email using my contact page at lauradadams.com. Today, I am super excited to be joined by Denise Piazza. She's a CPA and managing partner of One Street Capital, which is a private equity real estate firm. She's one of my favorite real estate experts because she really understands investing at a very high level. Um, She's an expert in private real estate investing, which is also called syndication, which is basically when you invest with a group of professionals. So instead of investing in a property that you pick out and, you know, you buy on your own, you let an experienced team of professionals find profitable deals on your behalf. Denise has a really impressive background. She's worked in real estate, accounting, finance, risk management for over 20 years. She's had finance and accounting roles with top Fortune 100 companies and managed over a billion dollars in acquisitions, joint ventures, and asset dispositions, making her a genuine expert at analyzing data and developing financial models. She's been involved in over $300 million in real estate transactions as an angel investor, general partner, and limited partner with thousands of units, and she's raised millions of dollars in private capital. Additionally, Denise has served on the Women's Leadership and Risk Management Committees of Fortune 100 companies. So whether you're brand new to real estate, you want to become an active investor, or you prefer earning passive income while somebody else handles all the details. Don't miss this episode. Denise has incredible amounts of wisdom and experience to share with us. Here are a few of the topics we cover. We talk about questions you should ask before investing in real estate and common mistakes to avoid. We talk about essential criteria for choosing real estate with the most potential for long-term profits. We talk about different types of active and passive real estate investments you can purchase, whether 
now is a good time to invest in real estate given where interest rates are. We cover some unique tax benefits like depreciation that real estate investors enjoy. We talk about the upfront capital you need to participate in a private real estate investment deal and some typical returns you might expect, and how to join an investor network for access to private real estate opportunities, no matter your level of investing experience. So please enjoy this interview with Denise Piazza. Denise, welcome back to the Money Girl podcast. Thank you for having me, Laura. I'm excited to be here again. Yeah, I am so excited to talk to you about real estate. This is one of my favorite topics. I know many people in the audience are really struggling with, you know, how to get into the real estate market. Should they buy a home? Should they buy an investment? It's There's a lot to think about. And so I'm Really excited because I know you can cut through the confusion and really give it to us straight. So tell the the audience a little bit about your background, how you got into real estate investing, and maybe a little bit else about your professional career. Absolutely. So um, the you know the intro resonates with me about struggling to get the best way to get involved um, and what makes the most sense for each person's situation. So I'll share a little bit about how I got involved and hopefully that helps folks understand uh, different avenues that they can take and some of the um, some of the pitfalls that I experienced and that I'll talk about throughout the show. But I began really working with the real estate industry over 20 years ago uh, with several of my clients while I was working at an accounting firm, I was preparing returns for some of my highest net worth clients. And I had noticed that one of the common denominators across their portfolios was real estate investments. And that was largely due to the tax benefits. So being a CPA, that's something that was uh, resonated with me. And I knew it was something that I eventually wanted to have in my portfolio At the time, I didn't have the resources or the liquidity, but fast forward a few years later, um, my husband and I, who are actually both CPAs, so we say, if anyone has trouble falling asleep at night, please call us and we can tell you all about our day. (laughs) I love Um, it. (laughs) But we began to invest in real estate across multiple asset classes. We had networks of uh, several clients that had invested in real estate, and we purchased single-family homes, invested in things like triple net lease, um, retail space, and multifamily, which is really just apartment assets. Um, And then more recently, we've been focused on the multifamily or apartment investing space And we started uh, several years ago, One Street Capital, so we could take all of our lessons that we've learned over the past several years um, from these experiences and investing and provide others with education on determining what what types of real estate investments there are and what makes the most sense for them with their investing goals um, and to really know the right questions to ask before you dive into real estate investing. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, Let me back up. You mentioned triple net lease. Just explain that for folks who may have no idea what you were talking about. Absolutely. So that's really just um, when you can be a part owner of a property in which uh, basically you are only responsible for certain things like property taxes and insurance and your tenant in that property 
really pays all of the other expenses. You just own the building and you collect passively income from ownership of that building, but all of the expenses around it, like the operating expenses, uh, the cleaning expenses, and all that other good stuff is um, the tenant's responsibility. Yeah. Do you think that's uh, generally more typical with commercial properties? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very typical with commercial properties. When a company does not want to own their own real estate, they will uh, typically, you know, reach out to a company that may own several properties and lease out that space. Yeah, that's great. I used to own a commercial property um, that was triple net lease. And it was, you know, so wonderful to kind of be able to walk away and let that tenant sort of make renovations they wanted and kind of handled everything. So yeah, very different from a regular single family home, you know, that you might buy. There's a lot to, to differentiate between residential and commercial. So let's talk a little bit about passive income. I mean, I think this is what so many people are looking for when they get into real estate in the first place. I mean, maybe some people want to actively manage, but I think for a lot of people, the idea is that you get to the point where you have uh, very little to do. You have passive income coming from um, that property. So explain to us how that happens. How do you get to the point where you can actually have passive income? And maybe it's not that you do you do nothing, but maybe there's very little involved for the investor to do. Sure. And um, I agree. I mean, several people ask me exactly what I mean when I say passive income, because there's a lot of different sources out there and a lot of different meanings. But as it relates to real estate, it really just means that you aren't actively involved in managing the property. You make the investment, it's managed by an experienced operator, and you collect the distributions and earn the returns. Um, And as you mentioned, there are a lot of different avenues that you can go down to get involved in real estate investing. You can pursue direct ownership and decide to acquire a property such as a single family home, a duplex, and you can become the landlord. Um, This is actually the path that both my business partner and I initially took when we began investing in real estate. What we realized, though, after maybe a year or two years is that it required a lot of upfront capital. Um, it made it difficult to scale because of the amount of upfront capital and that down payment that's required to acquire each property. And we also quickly learned, truthfully, that after owning a few single families that uh, we did not want the hassles associated with being a landlord. Um, So this took me down a path of private real estate investing. And this approach involves investing passively with a private real estate investment company. Um, Investing with this type of company can be a great way to get involved in real estate without having to go it alone. Uh, Rather than you investing in, say, a single-family property on your own, you invest in larger properties along with a group of investors. Private real estate investing, when you invest passively, you don't have to deal with the burden that I mentioned of of tenants and those middle-of-the-night phone calls uh, that you um, can get even when you have a, a property manager involved. So through each investment, you really get to tap into different real estate markets and opportunities that would otherwise be unavailable to you as a single investor. 
and by investing in these properties uh, with the group and with the private real estate firm, you can get access to the types of institutional quality properties for a smaller percentage of the costs, uh, meaning your investments. Yeah. So thanks for explaining that. So it's kind of like there are different levels of investing depending on how much work the individual wants to do or doesn't want to do. And just like you, I did the same thing. I invested in a lot of single family homes, tried to manage them myself, you know, got frustrated, turned them over to a manager. And, you know, the manager did a pretty good job for, for a while. But, you know, once we moved out of state and then we were, you know, really far away from those properties, it felt a little more unmanageable. And, you know, having that kind of burden of, oh my gosh, is the manager doing everything? I can't go by and put an eyeball on that property and actually see it. So yeah, there are a lot of uh, a lot of considerations. You know, when you're talking about private real estate investing, so that seems to me the most passive of all the options that that you could get into real estate. Talk to me about the tax advantages. Are they still as good if you are in a private real estate, you know, in a membership or with a group of people versus doing it on your own? Yes, that's so that's a very common question that we get. There are still significant tax advantages when you compare different types of portfolio income. So the beauty of investing in assets like real estate is that it can actually lower your tax obligation rather than increase it, just like some other vehicles may increase it like stocks or mutual funds because of a a strategy and the most beautiful thing within the IRS code. And one strategy that very wealthy investors use to reduce their tax liability um, is to invest in assets that benefit from this tool within the code that I mentioned called depreciation. And the best way to think of depreciation is really the as an example would be the value of an asset, the decrease in the value of an asset over time. And that example probably rings true with most people is the value of your car decreasing as soon as you drive it off the lot. Um, Real estate is an asset that benefits from this power of depreciation. So the value of real estate increases or appreciates over time, but the tax basis is decreasing as the property depreciates. So additionally, you can earn cash returns um, in the forms of distributions, and the tax on amount on those uh, distributions is deferred because of this concept called depreciation. So it, me- it means essentially your tax on those earnings are offset by the paper losses from depreciation. Um, and the other beautiful concept that was is you can take advantage of even in passively owning real estate is deferring your obligation um, when the property is sold. So deferring your tax obligation on those earnings through something called um, a 1031 exchange um, or a lazy 1031 exchange, which all you really need to know is that you're kicking the can down the road and you get to hang on to more of your income for a longer period of time. And because of concepts like the time value of money, that's really important to investors is to hold on to as much of your wealth as you can for as long as you can. 
Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, and I've never done a 1031 exchange. Um, but yeah, the idea is that you are deferring that tax on that gain, putting it in a similar property. And there's a lot of regulations about how quickly you need to do it. And the property's got to be similar and all of that. So it gets it gets a little complex. Um, but yeah, real estate has some pretty unique tax advantages that you're not going to find really in any other type of asset. So it, it is something that can be quite beneficial if you're using it the right way and you understand how to use it the right way. So Denise, given where we are with mortgage rates right now, interest rates still, you know, relatively high, we don't think they're um, going up a whole lot, perhaps, but maybe they're not going to be coming down too quickly either, depending on what what happens. Do you think now is still a good time to invest in real estate? Is there anything that people should be thinking about in terms of waiting and seeing? Or should we say, you know what, there's just never going to be the perfect time. And maybe we just need to do our homework and, you know, move forward if we're interested in this investment. Yeah. So great question. I think a lot has happened over the past year um, in the markets and real estate. And most people are are aware that interest rates have gone up significantly. And in fact, um, they went up at a pace faster than they have in over 40 years. Um, So it has caused values of some properties to decline. But what that means for me as an investor is that it represents the best opportunity to buy property that we have literally seen in decades. Um, Investors are actually forecasting that this will be the best year for opportunities since the global financial crisis of 2008. There is, you know, some advantages to buying a little bit of that dip, like they talk about even as it relates to market and real estate. And additionally, at the heart of the reason why we're so focused on investing in apartments is a major housing supply crisis that has been 15 years in the making. Um, It follows years of underbuilding uh, across the country in the wake of 2008 financial crisis. Uh, The National Association of Realtors actually pegged the shortage anywhere from 5.5 million to 6.8 million uh, units short of housing um, back in 2021 and 2022. And this only worsened during the the following two years as the Fed increased interest rates, making it more and more difficult for builders to create new supply of housing units. So um, essentially, you know, it, it became cost prohibited for them. So the shortage in home supply paired with the growing population and strong demand has relentlessly driven up the cost of housing and created an incredibly strong rental demand and renter population. Uh, Young people can no longer afford to purchase a new home and are forced to rent for much longer periods of time. So that's why we um, tend to focus our sites and our efforts on that type of asset class because of those dynamics that are taking place in the market right now with housing. Yeah, that's... um really interesting that the apartment level is still so, so low. I mean, we know that the inventory of, of all homes is is not anywhere near pre-pandemic levels still, but that it's affecting the apartment 
communities so much and that there's still so much demand there. Uh, that's It's pretty incredible to think about. So you mentioned apartments. Is this a big strategy for you, you know, with your company, One Street Capital? You know, is that part of your strategy as a business to really focus on that market? Are there other markets that you're focusing on as well? Yeah, I mean, we are constantly in the, you know, research area, just trying to figure out what the market dynamics are, what, where the demand is, you know, in addition to apartments, we also have invested in multiple other types of properties, things that, you know, tend to, to go with the housing area. So we've uh, manufactured homes um, because of the housing affordability crisis. So these are homes where, um, you know, basically you can acquire an entire group of manufactured homes and they are much more affordable for um, folks and they are managed by a third party. And again, sort of that passive income um, in passive income investment type property for those folks who are interested in not actively managing their own properties. You know, just going back to, um, first of all, the risk, the reduced risk involved. I think back to, you know, basic fundamentals of what people need to survive, and that's food, shelter, and, and water. So uh, fortunately, you cannot live on the internet yet. Um, so there will always be a need for housing. And when you compare these asset classes, these uh, multifamily and mobile home park asset classes, uh, going back to 2008, when the values within the stock market and real estate plummeted, the values in multifamily and these types of um, housing were the quickest to rebound during that time of financial distress. So that's another big reason why we focus uh, in those areas is because of that reduced risk associated with them. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's gotta be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Hey there, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, Freakonomics Radio. Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of business, economics, and so much more. He interviews CEOs, historians, and Nobel laureates to explore all kinds of topics, like why the best employees can make the worst bosses, and how whales went from being economic engines to environmental icons. If you're a curious person looking to better understand the world around you, you'll find everything you're looking for on Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. 
So if a listener is thinking, I really want to invest in real estate, I want passive uh, income and, and passive participation, I don't you know, want to go out and search for myself, I don't want to try to be a landlord, I'm really looking at this to do just kind of on the side of my day job, I don't want uh, becoming a landlord to become my, my full-time job, what type of capital should they have up front? What kind of savings should they think? think about um, trying to create first before they can get into this passive investment opportunity. Absolutely. So when investing passively and in, in private real estate investments, the minimum investment typically ranges anywhere from $25,000 to $50,000, depending on the offering. Each investment is structured a bit differently, but our goal at One Street Capital is to ensure our investors feel comfortable with their investments and understand and know the dynamics associated with them before placing a large investment. So we want them to test the waters before diving in with a a significant uh, amount up front. So that's why we typically have uh, why we're typically structured with a bit lower minimum investments than some other private real estate companies. So our last minimum investment was around $25,000. Got it. And then putting that amount up for this investment, you know, what are the typical returns? I know you can't guarantee anything, but but what might be a typical return that you've seen uh, for investors that that, you know, might be just a guideline? Absolutely. So we target a return on investment anywhere from around 15 to 20% annually. Um, we always like to under-promise and over-deliver, but we treat all of our properties and purchases like we're acquiring a business, basically. Our goal is to increase that property property's income so that you can sell or refinance it and return um, investors' capital to obtain that uh, target annual return of 15 to 20%. So um, private real estate investments do offer a lot of strong um, strong returns, diversification, and other um, tax benefits that we touched on. But those are, you know, those are the goals that we typically target uh, with our acquisitions. And where are you looking? Is it really all around the United States? Are there, you know, certain types of areas you're looking for? I'm kind of curious what you're vetting a property for when you're you're doing your homework. Absolutely. So we always say that when we're acquiring a property, we are uh, really acquiring a specific neighborhood. We're investing in that neighborhood. When we present an investment opportunity to to our community, it's because we have spent a significant amount of time and energy researching that market first. So we have a few criteria that we look for. And the first is that we look for strong levels of population growth and job growth. We ensure there's a sufficient amount of job diversity. So you want to be in an area where there's a variety of industries supporting the local economy. Job growth is much less enticing if you discover that uh, most of the jobs are in you know one particular area, say they're all in the tourism industry, um, then you can see how when an event like COVID took takes place, it can have a significant impact on your property. So you want good job industry diversification as well. 
um, a recession or that, you know, that negative news story could impact something like the number of tourists and therefore the job growth and the population trend. Um, so a diversified job market is much more attractive so that a hiccup in any single industry wouldn't affect um, all of the areas in the market as a whole. And we also just, we look to invest in areas with great school districts, low crime rates. As we all know, that will continue to have and facilitate those strong trends in population growth. Ultimately, those are the types of places where people want to move to. Um, all of those factors that I mentioned are critical to us because it reduces your overall investment risk. Your property is much more likely to appreciate in areas with these population growth, good schools, and low crime. Um, so not only are you increasing you know, the income at the property, but you're also just investing in that area, and that is going to naturally cause your property to appreciate in value. Yeah, that seems like just really smart, common sense um, type of filters and criteria that, that you're looking for. So I'm curious, Denise, what types of mistakes do you see, you know, you've been in and out of, of this as a, um, as you mentioned, just kind of on your own initially, and then really getting more sophisticated with your investments. Um, so I'm sure you've seen a lot of people make mistakes. Maybe you've made some mistakes yourself early on. What should folks be watching out for when they're thinking about, okay, I'm going to jump into real estate for the very first time and get my very first property? Um, what are some maybe warning signs to think about? And, and maybe then you'll tell me some maybe some things that people should do um, after they watch out for red flags. Absolutely. So the biggest mistake I see and I made myself um, is in, in real estate investing is an investor only looking at projected returns um, on a particular investment and not taking into account some other factors that you should consider when you're investing. So once you know you want to invest in real estate, the next question is you should ask yourself is really, how do I know it's a good deal? And I've invested in multiple properties and many different asset classes, had some great experiences um, and some not as great. Uh, but based on what I've I've experienced throughout the last several years um, is that there are overall three different pillars that we look at to consider in any real estate investment opportunity. And the first thing that we look at is the market. Um, so investing in the right locations and the strong markets reduce your overall investment risk. So the factors that I just mentioned about, you know, low, low crime, good school districts, strong population growth, all make an investment more attractive. The second item that I would say someone should look at is, is that deal itself and the financial projections that are associated with it. There could be some red flags to be on the lookout for when reviewing some financial data and return projections. And the last component really is the team itself. So this is one, the team is one that often gets overlooked, but it is really so critical to the success of the property's business plan and your overall investment returns. Um, and we have a really great free resources, uh, free resource on our website, um, onestreetcapital.com, where you can, you know, regardless of what type of investment you are investing in, it's just a list of very important questions for anyone to ask before 
um, investing in an asset or a property or anything um, along those lines. So the the questions are actually applicable to multiple different scenarios. So it's a great resource, um, one that I highly recommend people looking at um, and considering before they make an investment. Awesome. Yeah, I will make sure to put a link to that questions document in the show notes uh, for folks to refer to. So, okay, so looking at those pillars, anything else that are tips that you have for assessing risk, for managing potential risk as people are just out thinking, okay, what's, you know, what's my first step? Where should I go? Um, Mm -hmm. Anything that they should think of and how to, you know, just kind of, there's a lot of numbers that have to be crunched, right? Right. A lot of numbers. Should they take this deal to their accountant? Should they get professional advice? What are some ways just to make sure that people don't end up thinking, oh, this looks like a great deal, but then it has way more expenses than they anticipate up front? Right. So one thing that we always suggest to anyone is to ask that particular group for referrals. You'd be surprised at how few people actually do this, um, but it's such an important part of doing your due diligence. Um, The other concept I would look at is that particular company's track record. What have they done in the past? Do they have properties in that area? And have they been successful at owning and operating them? Typically, track records are disclosed. um, But if not, you are certainly free to ask and ask them what type of returns they have generated in the past. Again, there's also those lists of questions really that I think is a great resource that can be applied to any investing opportunity. And it will help pinpoint those red flags that you mentioned um, for investors. But again, sort of the referrals, the track record, um, all of those things help do that um, or contribute to that due diligence that uh, someone should use, someone should utilize before investing. That's great. I'm curious if you have any success stories from your investing network, maybe some great deals or something that just kind of shows the potential of using Mm -hmm. real estate to generate passive income, because that's really the goal here is, you know, trying to make it as passive as possible. Does anything come to mind? Yeah, um, actually, our most recent acquisition, um, and that was uh, going back to 2023, we uh, purchased, it was a huge win for our investor base. And um, we purchased the properties for around $80 million. Um, It was a set of two properties. Um, And recently, we received a, a third party, outside third party appraisal back, which assigned the value of those properties at over a hundred and $13 million. So um, it was resulting in over $30 million of instant equity for our investors. And what I like to think is is equally exciting is that we just acquired them and they're already distributing close to 8% cash flow. Um, And again, because of the tax benefits that I mentioned, you know, from an after-tax perspective, because we do things like depreciation and um, all that good, all of that good tax stuff. Um, we, you know, all of that is basically um, cash, you know, t- after tax as well, uh, 8% after tax. So, and then we'll have our goal when we refinance or sell the property of making that, um, you know, anywhere from a, it's projected to be a 17 to 20% um, annual return. 
And one of the reasons why we're able to do stuff like this is because with this particular property, we are keeping 50% of the units in this in this area um, as what is considered from a tax perspective affordable. So you keep um, you do not we are not renovating fifty uh, percent of the units, and we are keeping rents uh, at a targeted level of about sixty to eighty percent of the average median income within that area, and that actually eliminates uh, is allows us to. Uh, partner with the Texas Housing Authority and eliminate all of our property taxes for the facility. So if anyone, if you know anything about um, the state of Texas, which is where we've acquired these properties, you know that property taxes are always a significant number. Um, so it, it both serves as a built-in value add for our investors at purchase and also helps to provide that downside padding, um, you know, uh, of the value of the property just simply because of the great um, the great purchase price that we had on them. So it's it's really been um, an exciting uh, period of time. Oh, man. Congratulations, Denise. That's super Thank impressive. You. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, that just goes to show that there is a lot of power in numbers and, you know, having a group and, and knowing a lot more about an area and the tax situation, all of that is a big part of the potential return um, on that property and on that investment. So you kind of don't know what you don't know, you know, in many cases and having the power of um, other folks who are doing this for a living um, is incredibly beneficial. So, you know, that's something that I think the average investor would know nothing about, nor have the ability to get in on, you know, a deal of that size, obviously, on their own. So that is fantastic. Denise, is there anything else that listeners should know about working with you if they're interested in getting involved in passive real estate investing? Um, obviously, they can go to onestreetcapital.com. We're going to put a link to the, the resources, the questions, and the show notes. But what would be the first step if somebody is interested in working with you or just learning more about the process? Absolutely. So you can, um, they can join our investor community um, on our website, onestreetcapital.com, as you mentioned. And once you join, you can access all of our free resources and you'll also get access to our deal pipeline. Um, but for your listeners, Laura, we also created a resource um, and that's the guide to passive investing in real estate. Um, that regardless of, of, you know, whether you just want to educate yourself or get more familiar, we will send you that once we, once you sign up for the investor community and you mention, um, Laura or the Money Girl podcast, we are happy to send that to you. Um, and you can always, uh, uh, as another option, you can always reach out to me directly, even if you just have a question or tax question on, on this whole area of investing. I'm happy to help in any way. You can email me at Denise at onestreetcapital.com. So any of those ways, Laura, we uh, we love to chat with uh, folks. We have a big group um, and we are um, always excited to have people reach out with questions or um, join the community. A big thanks to Denise for joining me on the show today. If you're enjoying Money Girl, take a moment to let us know by rating and reviewing the show in your podcast app. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. 
Money Girl is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg. Our director of podcasts is Brennan Gaches. Our digital operations specialist is Holly Hutchins. Our advertising operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our marketing and publicity associate is Davina Tomlin. And our marketing assistant is Cameron Lacey. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.